Good morning. And welcome to you all. And Kavadahan Sakum, Karibu, Becherbin, Khoshamadid, Ahlan Wasahlan, and in Teesside. How are you doing all right, mate? <laughs> guess you got the gist of it. Um, I guess these guys do that deliberately. So every time I'm preaching, either I get invited to somebody's house, so I finish a bit earlier, or it's the World Cup, and these guys put up something else, so I deliberately get. 15 minutes, but uh, you may end up watching England's, uh, England's game here, and you guess that one of the elders at least has got the right shirt on. We had to take the whole of the elders meeting last week explaining to Raj why Jubilee Football Club aren't in the World Cup, and why they can't in fact be in the World Cup, but hey, um, I, I actually bought this shirt for the uh, prayer day in July um, when we were praying uh, at Westminster in July last year. And prophetically, um, I looked around for a UK football shirt. I couldn't find one because it wasn't the Olympics. Uh, but I find the England shirt, and I thought, prophetically, I'm going to take that along um, when we pray for the nation. And now and again, I use that. Um, and I still have hope and faith that God will and continue to do his work in this nation. Today, we're going to go and continue our series on uh, the book of Acts, Spirit Breakout. And today, we're going to look at discipleship in the book of Acts. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 1 to 6. Um, If you haven't got a Bible, the words will be projected on the screen. Acts 16, 1 to 6. Paul came also to Derby, and Nottingham, and Birmingham, and uh, no, this isn't the same Derby. Uh, Paul also came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered uh, to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Paul and his companion traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So this is the part of the uh, book of Acts that we're going to look at today, and the topic is discipleship. Um, Let me start by saying that discipleship allows us to grow in grace to become more like Jesus Christ himself. The message of the gospel is that we can become free from oppression, from shame, from guilt, and we can live free lives, um, and not by playing rules or by bribing someone, but actually by believing in the person of Jesus himself. If you're not familiar with this, or if if it's the first time you've heard this, if it's the first time you've heard that you can actually become free by just believing in the person of Jesus Christ himself, you may think, it's a bit strange and it doesn't make sense. Let me assure you that you're not the first person and when I first heard it as well, I was thinking, it doesn't make sense. Somebody else did the job for me. But this is the message of the gospel which brings liberty and produces sons. The Bible calls that. Uh, On the other hand, the message of the gospel plus anything else is not the gospel and therefore doesn't produce sons and um, rather produces slaves. If you think that this is a bit strange, then let me tell you that today you can actually become free if you're not already. Today you can believe in him, today you can receive him, today you can be free from guilt, shame, and the sin and the chains that are holding you back from being 
in the family of God and receiving the blessings that God has for you. Now, discipleship, when we think about it, we generally think that it's a Christian thing, and we generally think that, uh, yeah, when an older guy is training a younger guy on what to do and how to behave uh, like a Christian. Uh, in the Gospels, it's very clear that Jesus wasn't the only person who had disciples. In fact, prior to him, people did have disciples. Um, I mean, we see John the Baptist, he had disciples. Even Pharisees, they had disciples. But there was a big difference between Jesus and the way he did it. The Greek word, uh, matetes, it just means learner or student. The Hebrew word for it is talmid, in Arabic, talmiz. It just means student. Uh, and they still use that, even nowadays, to refer to someone who is a student or a follower of a particular way. In ancient times, it was really important for a rabbi to choose the right disciples and for the disciples to be affiliated with the right rabbi because their actions were re representing of the rabbi themselves. And what they would do would bring either shame or honor to the rabbi. Um, even in some cultures nowadays, today, um, if at some point, mothers, particularly at home, aren't able to really deal with the kids and they've had enough of them, the biggest threat is shame on your teacher. I will come and speak to him because it's his responsibility. He is the one who should teach you and disciple you. You're not right at home, therefore I'm going to come to school. And that usually sorts things out. And um, it is still the case in many cultures where parents and teachers are seen as having equal authority. We see the same principle uh, in Matthew, where disciples and the master are seen as together and representing one another. Pharisees would ask, why does your master eat with sinners and tax collectors? They go and ask, not Jesus himself, but his disciples. Then disciples of John come to Jesus and say, um, why do you, your disciples don't fast? Uh, have you not heard of the concept before? Because we do, and even Pharisees fast. But why is it that your disciples don't? A rabbi could teach his disciples more by doing it rather than just showing. And praise God that we have great people in here who are actually the great, uh, the, one of the greatest disciple makers that I've seen really around in here that are doing things so that they become an example. It's not just asking others to do something they're not willing. We heard about the Serving Sunday and it's just amazing the number of people involved in it, but also those who are encouraging others to come and serve are already serving in different areas. And I want to encourage you, if you're not serving already on some of the areas, go and speak to one of them at the end. I won't because I'm too busy on a Sunday morning. <laughs> no. um, I would encourage you to go and have a chat with them at the end and see where God really is directing you to serve. Um, another example of a relationship between a disciple and a master is where Jesus was speaking to that Samaritan woman. That in itself is a great example uh, of how a master's actions would really teach the disciples. By speaking to a woman in that culture who is not a Jew, Jesus was teaching his disciples that race and gender doesn't mean anything in the uh, kingdom of God. There is no discrimination that can come against them. So Jesus was teaching them, and the disciples didn't really dare to ask anything, but they just saw, and they thought, he's teaching us something here. We better learn. In general, the actions of a disciple reflected on the family name of his teacher. 
Another big difference between the discipleship that we have the view of, particularly in the West, where it generally has been influenced by the Greek culture rather than the Jewish culture or Oriental culture, is that we think that masters or those who want to make disciples would go and say, could you please come and follow Jesus? Will you please come and follow Jesus? He's really good, I can assure you, I even guarantee. It's the job of the disciple maker to go and find people and convince them, whereas in the culture of the time of Jesus, disciples or those who really wanted to become disciples would go and would ask a master, will you please allow me to be with you? Will you please allow me to follow you? Will you allow me to learn from you? Can I please just follow you? And it would be on their side to do things. Sometimes we're too apologetic in this culture to say, actually, prayer is good because the Bible says that prayer is good and I've experienced it in my life and I want to encourage you. Sometimes we're apologetic. No, prayer is good. If you really want it and if you want uh, to be in fellowship with God, then pray and get together and come to the prayer meetings and go to your community groups and pray together and pray in your triplets or pray with your friend or whoever. Prayer is good. In that culture, a disciple maker wouldn't have to explain apologetically what is good and what is not good. Let me give you an illustration. We've got Paul and Timothy in this chapter. Can I have you, Gavin, and Simon? I think it would help. Um, so Paul is seeing Timothy. So let's say Simon's Paul and Gavin's Timothy. So Paul hears about him. He's a, he's a good lad. He's just great and, yeah, wants to follow Jesus. So Simon comes and says, Tim, come here, son. I've heard you want to follow Jesus. Is that right? Tim said, yeah, of course, I'd do anything for Jesus. I would do anything. Are you sure you want to follow Jesus? Yeah, I would give my life for him. All right, then, pull your trousers down. I beg your pardon? <laughs> Take off your trousers, mate. Uh, beg your pardon? I thought you wanted to follow Jesus, don't you? Yeah, but nobody told me this was part of it. Well, too late, mate. Take off your trousers. Let the doctor do his work. That is what happened. <laughs> you can sit down. <laughs> that is what happened uh, with Paul and Timothy. That is the beginning of the discipleship. Now I know that's not the most convincing point, but if you've, uh, if you've decided to follow Jesus today, let me tell you that this isn't a requirement, uh, praise God, <laughs> in the New Testament, or at least at Jubilee. But what happened at the time was, because sometimes people question that and think, was Paul contradicting what he said? Later on, that we don't have to observe the law, we don't have to follow them, we don't have to be circumcised, and circumcision is to do with heart rather than with physics. And um, sometimes people think there's contradiction, but it, there isn't. The reason Paul asked Timothy to do that was, first of all, he didn't force him, uh, and secondly, it was because they were going to minister to Jews, to particular areas that Jews were there. And Jews know, knew that Timothy uh, was from a Jewish mother, uh, but his father was Greek, and therefore they could guess that he's not been circumcised, which was one of the requirements of the Jewish family for the child to be circumcised. Jesus was, as we read in the Gospels, um, when uh, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to present him there. So it's very similar to some of the things that you guys have done. Praise God, again, it's not to do with circumcision, but to make people welcome and to, in order to minister to them, you have changed some of the things in you that you could have just said, well, it's me, I don't really want to, it's nothing against the Bible, I'm not going to change that. But many of you here have, and as a result, I was able to greet lots of people in here in their own language, not that I know their language, but I just went around and found out how they say welcome. 
It's because of that that God is building His church from people from different nations and tribes and languages. It's because of your willingness to go through things when you don't really have to. And that is because of that. It's a similar thing as me wearing the England shirt with pride and honor. It's just great to be able to do that. So it's a similar thing with Paul and Timothy. At times, Paul encourages Timothy. He says, yeah, go and preach the word. You're, you're a good preacher. Go and preach it. At times he says, don't worry. You're young, but don't worry. Rebuke people if you have to. Rebuke the older ones even if you have to. Go against the culture. If they bring a corruption to the church, do your job. This is what God has called you to. My favorite is when he tells Timothy, look, stop drinking water all the time. Have a bit of wine. And that's why Simon usually keeps a, pot, a couple of bottles of wine in the office because he wants to follow Paul. Um, other time, he calls Timothy son in faith. He calls him, you are my son in faith. Before this relationship between Paul and Timothy, something profound had taken place. One of the main things for discipleship, Timothy had a sort of obedience that he had never experienced in his life. It was an inward obedience, a requirement for discipleship. Discipleship begins with us having a change inside, in our heart, that is not as a result of doing things the right way, that is as a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot blame anything or anyone if we're not able to have that joy in God. Now, I've got more excuses nowadays, namely called children, uh, uh, to blame for, the, so for everything that goes wrong, and most of the time I'm right, but Timothy was more than willing to give everything. He was more than willing to show that sort of inward obedience that he had, and Paul was also willing to sacrifice a lot for Timothy. Jesus didn't spend much time with people who were unwilling. He didn't spend resources and teachings on them. He didn't spend much time on them. Rather, he spent time with those that he called, and they just left everything and went and followed him. Discipleship requires discipline, which flows from a submission that is from our hearts, from inside, a submission to the Father. You can have the right theology, but miss God in a very big way. You can know the whole Bible, but not know God at all. We heard the name uh, George Muller a few times uh, today, and just before we started our worship, I was speaking to Luke about it, who'd um, been to visit the museum with his family, as we heard this morning. And uh, in the last month's God's Big Picture, again, the, what Raj shared stood out to me, that George Muller said, my primary responsibility is what? Looking after the poor, looking after the kids, two and a half thousand orphans? No. His primary responsibility was to make sure that his soul rejoices in God. He realized and recognized that doesn't matter what he does, even instead of two and a half thousand, if it helped two and a half million kids, but he wasn't rejoicing in God, it wouldn't mean much. It's about what's inside. And I want to encourage you, Jubilee. The beginning of discipleship is an inward change and having that relationship with God. Terry Vega said that discipleship is learning to pray, and I just love that. It's so simple, yet so profound. I was listening to one of his preachers on discipleship, and he said, it's learning to pray with one another. Pray a lot together, Jubilee. Inward obedience would lead us to a love for prayer. In fact, personally, when I feel really run down and dry, and when I feel that even physically I don't have the power to carry on, I look back and I know immediately that my prayer life with God has not been strong. I realize 
the effects of not spending much time with God and doing things. And they're not necessarily bad things. They're things to do with ministry, things to do with helping the poor, things to do with what we're involved as a church. But Mikhail, our friend in uh, Turkey, who was here visiting us a few weeks ago, he said something when we were uh, meeting together as elders with him. He said that on a particular day in a week, on a Wednesday, I think, they get together at 10 o'clock in the morning to pray with the elders of the congregations for about two hours. And he said that right at the beginning, a few people said they can't make it because they've got other responsibilities. What Mikhail asked them to do was either change that to another day of the week, whatever it is, or if you can't, and if it's one of your responsibilities at church, drop it and give this the priority and be there. And to me, that was really outstanding. It, was, it just stood out to me that Mikhail had said that to some of his friends, and I thought, this is what we should be telling one another. If anything else is stopping you from praying and going before God, then maybe you should drop that. Discipleship is people owning a vision in prayer. In our elders' meeting last week, we were talking about a couple of things, and amongst them was something that we were discussing, and um, the four of us, we were just talking about it, and we felt, no, we don't really feel drawn and particularly drawn towards this. And it was just so amazing to me that I'm part of a team who felt that we're not drawing close to it because we haven't really felt the urgency to pray about it. So what we pray in our personal time as well as corporate time really has to do with the vision. So praise God that I'm part of a team that knows the importance of it. Praise God that we have many different settings at Jubilee where prayer can happen and therefore discipleship can happen. We have the prayer meeting, monthly prayer meetings, which I want to encourage you. I, uh, when it was at Hull Pastor last time and um, they'd organized uh, to go around the town and pray for different places, I just felt something again unlocking in me as we were taking steps in different places in town. We've done that in the past, but it just makes you fall in love with different places in the town. It just makes you realize what's out there and it's allows you to carry on the great commission of going and making disciples. So I want to encourage you to take part in that. Another thing to do with discipleship is outward expression. So that inward obedience has an outward expression. Outward expression is in the community. Now, there are some gangs, and I don't want to encourage you to join them, that do church better than the church. There are gangs that do community better than many Christians, even in, uh, in this part of the world. Um, so, as Christians, we've got the greatest reason to come together, but sometimes we don't realize that in the community. When we express openly who we are and what we believe in and the person we believe in, we may go through things that our God went through, Jesus Christ himself. This is on an individual as well as corporate level. In some cultures, that can have different effects, as I'm sure many of you know because of our friends from different cultures. Corporate discipleship allows the orphans to have spiritual fathers and mothers. Discipleship is about pointing to the ultimate father, but also being fathers and mothers. I had had the privilege, privilege of having spiritual fathers and mothers. Many of you in here are spiritual fathers and mothers, as well as having your own children. Discipleship begins at home, but it doesn't end there. You are discipling your own children if you have children, but also you are fathers and mothers of those that, are you, that you are looking after and caring for. And many of you, whether you realize it or don't, are spiritual fathers and mothers. You are 
taking in the orphans, the orphans of the society, taking them in, allowing them to come to a place where they can be cared for, but not just have that sort of cuddly feeling, pointing them to the Father in heaven. What spiritual fathers and mothers do is to be looking for obedience because that is success. The result belongs to God. If you are obedient, then you're already successful. In this culture, we can be too preoccupied with efficiency. Let's do it this way because then we get better results and we'll have more fruit. Let's do it this way because it produces better results. And there's a lot of things involved with efficiency. And if we're not careful, that can become an idol. If you see obedience in, in a person to Jesus Christ, offer to disciple them if you're able to because you're already successful. That's what you need. The result belongs to God. If it was about results, many people would have had to pull out of the Middle East many years ago. I was in a prayer meeting uh, with the Teesside Church leaders and somebody told me that somebody in their congregation spent 35 years in Iran before becoming disheartened and having to leave the country because he never even saw one soul coming to Christ. 35 years and not even one person coming to Christ. Now, 15 years later, look at it. <laughs> 15 years later, a lot of the people in that country are hungry for Jesus. God is meeting them in their own place. Many of them are coming to Christ. We have the privilege of having some of them in here. And that's not just the only nation. Look at China and other places. If it was to do with results, we, we need to stop right now. It's not about what we see immediately. It's about what we see in vision, in faith. It's about what we see God is able to do in one person. Very often I'm guilty of this, when I think, oh, I'm just, I just don't see it. Whereas Raj sees something else and says, no, actually, I, I believe that I can do it. Let me, let me do this. I believe God can come and do it. And very often I'm wrong. Um, I hope Mavish doesn't hear me saying that uh, I'm wrong because she gets used to it and she wants me to say that at home. But this is how it is. And the last thing is that discipleship would really raise something in you for evangelism. Discipleship would raise something in you to go and reach the community because community at church is not just about a group of lovely Christians getting together, having meals, although praise God for meals, especially when it's with brothers and sisters. But Discipleship is about reaching the community down the road. Discipleship is about going to the orphans out there, and there are hundreds of them, and telling them that God is interested in them. Discipleship is about what Jesus did on the cross and pointing people to him and saying, this is what you can have. Come and follow him. Discipleship would raise something in you for going out there and evangelize. Discipleship would raise something in you to spread the love of God. Discipleship is not just about loving yourself and one another and those that love you. I'm just going to finish with this story um, I'm, I've read on one of the YouTube videos. I don't usually pay much attention to them, but a Jewish rabbi was speaking and he was quoting somebody else saying, this Jewish rabbi went into a place and he saw a young man clearly enjoying eating a fish and he said, young man, what are you doing? I'm eating a fish. Oh, you're, you're eating fish. Yes, I love fish. And the Jewish rabbi said, do you really love fish? Is that why you caught it and then killed it and boiled it and now you're eating it? Is that what you do to the things you love? And then he, kept, he went on to say, this is fish love. When we, say, when we talk about love, it's not really the love that God represents, it's what we love and what we want to receive. So he kept on going 
saying that most of the love we see in the world is fish love. It's about me. Jesus' love is not fish love. Jesus' love is about what you can give. And when it comes to discipleship, it's about what you can give, not what you can get. It's about what you're able to give. And as the people of God, we are able to give a lot because we have a God who's given a lot. We have a God who gave and he still keeps giving. So I want to encourage you, when you think about discipleship, don't just think about two people having a lovely relationship and just carrying on together, maybe having fallouts now and again. Discipleship has a bigger vision. Discipleship is taking the vision of the church and taking it in your prayers before the Father. Discipleship is thinking about people down the road who are orphans, spiritual orphans, and allowing them to see the love of God. That is not just about taking away. It's about giving. Are we up for it, Jubilee? Are you up for making disciples, which many of you have, and this is how Jesus continues to, to work? But are you up for taking this into your prayer time and taking this vision in before God and say, I want you to do something in me so that I know it's not about me receiving, but it's about me giving, actually, because you give me. And he has the ultimate resources. Are you up for this, Jubilee? Should we stand up together? I'm not going to ask the band to come up. So I'm just going to pray over us. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you that um, you are the greatest example in everything. Thank you that it's ultimately about you who gave his life as sacrifice. You gave your life so that, so that we can live life in abundance. Lord, and I pray that you impart that into every single person in here, Lord, that you impart that on your people, Lord, so that when it comes to discipleship, so that when it comes to doing things your way, we would look at people the way you look at them, that our hearts would break for the lost and needy out there. I pray that you would allow us to remember, to bring this before you, Lord. And I pray that many of those who are out there, Lord, many of those who are looking in different places for satisfaction, Lord, would come to you, the fountain of water, the living water, I pray that they would hear your call. Whoever is thirsty, let them come to me. And I pray that they would take that step and come to you. And I pray that you empower your church to be a place to receive those people, Lord, to, re to receive the orphans, Lord. And I pray for the fathers and mothers in this room, the spiritual fathers and mothers. I pray that you pour out your spirit on all of them, Lord, that you pour out your spirit on them, Lord, so that when there is disheartening, that there would be encouragement by you. So that when there is the time of doubt that there would be encouragement with your spirit, Lord. So come and equip your church for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.